Hey everyone, my name is Randall Heyer and I'm the worship arts pastor here at Cochrane Alliance Church. We are so glad that you've come to check out the latest sermon and we pray that you are encouraged, challenged, and ultimately that you are drawn closer to Jesus. Enjoy. Well, if you haven't figured out by now, today is Palm Sunday. Uh, Palm Sunday commemorates the, uh, the entry, the triumphal entry of Jesus into Jerusalem on a donkey. And uh, this significant moment is actually written about in all of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And each one of them gives significant time to the final week of Jesus' life. Mark, I think, gives one-third of his Gospel to Jesus' final week on earth, or or, um, of his ministry. And so uh, today is, uh, or sorry, this week, this week is known as the Holy Week and and Palm Sunday marks the beginning. Throughout the New Testament, we see uh, blind men getting healed, whether that's through the ministry of Jesus or through the ministry of his disciples, the apostles. Um, And we see men being healed of blindness. And I can only imagine what it would feel like to uh, have Jesus put his hands on your eyes and being able to see for the very first time. Being able to see uh, trees or a beautiful mountain range or uh, seeing flowers growing or seeing your father or mother or your brother or sister for the very first time, it it would be incredibly, I believe it would be incredibly exhilarating. And this morning, I want to, uh, by the grace of God, I want to uh, have us look at the person of Jesus. And I'm not not suggesting that we are blind to who Jesus is. We're we're all here um, in his presence, wanting to know who he is, wanting to grow closer to him. But sometimes we don't see Jesus as clearly as we ought. Sometimes we need our spiritual eyes opened even uh, more than we already do see, or, or that we already have seen him, but we, we need to see him in a truer fashion. And so this morning, I, I hope that we can see uh, Jesus, who is the one who came not to make all our dreams come true or not to pamper us or to comfort us, and make us more comfortable in life, but the one who came to die on a cross, the one whose way is death and humility, and the one whose uh, way is to bring about reconciliation between God and man. And so today, uh, we dive into Mark's account of Uh, Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. So it was springtime, and uh, people were coming from far and wide, and they were on a pilgrimage to Jerusalem for the Passover. And uh, during this time, the the city of Jerusalem would probably have swelled to around 2 million people. 
And so there was a, there was a big buzz going, there was a big buzz, there was lots of excitement, and uh, not only are uh, the people all coming, but who else is coming? Jesus and his disciples. They are making the trek, the pilgrimage to Jerusalem. So turn with, your, turn with me in your Bibles to Mark chapter 11, and we're going to read chap, uh, chapter 11, 1 through 10. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem, to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two of his disciples and said to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it and will send it back here immediately. And they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing untying that colt? And they told them that Jesus had said and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it. And he sat on it and many, of, and many spread their cloaks on the road. And others spread leafy branches that they had cut from the fields. And those who went before and those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. So Jesus and his disciples are, like I said, they're heading to Jerusalem, uh, just like everyone else, for the Passover week. And they come to Bethphage and Bethany at the Mount of Olives. Now, Beth, Bethphage means house of unripe figs, and Bethany means house of sorrow. And interestingly, the Mount of Olives actually overlooked the temple. As you were coming into Jerusalem, if you were at the Mount of Olives, you'd probably get a beautiful view of the temple. And Jesus sends his two disciples into the village nearby. And he says, go into the village in front of you, and immediately as you enter it, you will find a colt tied on which no one has ever sat. Untie it and bring it. If anyone says to you, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord has need of it, and will send it back immediately. Now, what's happening here? is chalked full of significance. There's a lot going on. And as we read it, maybe there's a few questions that come to mind. I know when I read it, there were many questions that came to mind. But the first question was, is Jesus the Messiah, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the sinless, spotless Lamb, really telling his disciples to steal a colt? Like, hey guys, go, in, go into that village, the first colt you see, grab that thing and bring it to me. If anyone says anything, just tell them I need it. Okay? Like, is he really saying, steal the colt? The second question might be, why does it need to be a colt that's never been used? I wonder. Jesus is actually making quite the statement here, uh, it was common to for kings to uh, let's say they're walking through Jerusalem or they're walking through a city. It was common for a king, if he was in need of something, he could just snap his fingers 
and say, hey, I need this, I'm going to use it for a little bit, and then I'll give it back. That was a common thing that happened. Uh, if they needed any help, they could just ask someone and say, hey, I need you for like two hours, come and help me, I'm going to need your, uh, your muscles for a little bit, okay? And what Jesus here is prophetically declaring is that he's saying, I am a king. And not only is he saying, I am a king, he's saying, I am the king. I am the Lord of lords. I am the king of kings. At this very moment, Jesus is declaring that he is the king of the Jews. In Matthew's account of this, uh, like I said, every single gospel has uh, an account of this story. And what's happening in Matthew states in his account that Jesus is actually fulfilling a, a prophecy found in Zechariah 9 verse 9. And this prophecy is this. Zechariah 9 9. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout aloud. O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you. Righteous and having salvation is he, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. And this prophecy is undoubtedly known by the Jewish people. Uh, they, they would know the scriptures on some level. They would uh, have messianic expectations. And so they probably would have known this scripture. And, and Matthew here is uh, declaring that this uh, prophecy is be being fulfilled in this moment. Jesus is proclaiming his Messiahship. It would have been customary for the, on the pilgrimage that these, um, these uh, people coming from far and wide to Jerusalem for the Passover, they would have walked into Jerusalem. They would have walked into the city. However, Jesus gets on a donkey and he rides into the city. And in doing so, he fulfills Zechariah 9.9. Now, not only is he fulfilling Zechariah 9.9, but turn with me in your Bibles, if you've got a Bible with you. If not, it'll be on the screen. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 49. 8 through 11. Genesis 49. 8 through 12, sorry. Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Oh, sorry. What's happening here is uh, Jacob has come. You know, everyone remember Jacob, the patriarch Jacob? He's got 12 sons. These are the 12 tribes of Israel. And Jacob comes to the end of his life, and he wants to bless his children. He wants to prophesy over his children. And so he's essentially on his deathbed. And he says, sons, come around, come around, and he begins to prophesy. And he comes to his son Judah. Now remember, Jesus is from the line of Judah. He's the lion of Judah. We sang about it this morning. Okay, so all the way back in Genesis 49, Jacob comes to prophesy over his son Judah, and he says, Judah, your brothers shall praise you. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's sons shall bow down before you. Judah is a lion's cub. From the prey, my son, you have gone up. He stooped down. He crouched as a lion and as a lioness. Who dare rouse him? 
The scepter, which is a sign of royalty, shall not depart from Judah, nor the ruler's staff from between his feet, until tribute comes to him, that is, Jesus. And to him shall be the obedience of the peoples. Now here it gets good. Binding his foal to the vine, and his donkey's colt to the choice vine. He has washed his garments in wine and his vesture in the blood of grapes. His eyes are darker than wine and his teeth whiter than milk. Does any of that imagery stand out to you? Jacob is prophesying over his son that from his line, Jesus will come and that he will ride in he will tie his vine to, or his donkey to, or colt to a vine. And Jesus is fulfilling this by getting on a donkey and, and riding into Jerusalem. He, at this moment, um, we see a beautiful picture of the sacrifice that Jesus would make with his shed blood, that he would purify us whiter than snow. And Jesus, by getting on the donkey and riding into Jerusalem, says, look, look, I am that guy. I am the king. I am the one who will be the sacrifice. I want to pause here for a moment and I want to point something out. I want to point out that the word of God, the word of God which we preach from, which we read, which we meditate on, it is not just a book. It is a spirit-inspired word. It is living and active and God's plan of redemption did not start when Jesus was born to Mary and Joseph. God's plan of redemption started long before that. It's prophesied about in Zechariah 9. Jacob here is prophesying about it in Genesis 49. And God's plan of redemption started even long before that. Jesus is going to the cross, Jesus going to the cross, Jesus riding in on a donkey and a week later dying for the sins of mankind was not God's plan B. It was not a mistake. It was his plan A. Details like Jesus riding on a donkey, declaring his kingship, the one who would come to bring reconciliation between man and God, to bring peace between God and man, the way it was done was perfectly preordained by our Heavenly Father. This was his plan A. As we're confront, as we, again, we are confronted by Jesus and his kingdom and the ways of his kingdom, how he works in his kingdom. Remember, uh, over the, the course of this last year, we talked a lot about the kingdom of God. And Jesus' kingdom is indeed the upside-down 
kingdom. He does things completely different than what we see in front of us from the world around us. Jesus came into Jerusalem in the most humble way, riding on a donkey. It was customary that if you were a king riding into a city, you would be on a magnificent war horse. You would come in on a beautiful stallion. And most likely, you probably had a sword in your hand, ready to show everyone you were there to conquer. And what does Jesus do? He comes in a sign of incredible humility and peace. Our king came in humility. Jesus was coming to extend salvation to a lost and broken, hurting world. Our king conquered death indeed, but he did it in humility. GCD Howley says, It was not as a warrior that Jesus would fulfill his messianic office, but in great meekness and lowliness. Jesus was the humble servant king. Paul even refers to Jesus in Philippians chapter 2 as the one who humbled himself by becoming obedient unto death, even death on a cross. If you read uh, in Zechariah's prophecy, the one that Matthew says, look, Jesus, the king, he, he fulfilled Zechariah 9.9. If you read one verse further, Zechariah 9.10, it says this, I will cut off the chariot from Ephraim and the war horse from Jerusalem. The battle bow shall be cut off and he shall speak peace to the nations. His rule shall be from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. It was customary for a king, if he wanted to bring peace, that he would come in on a donkey. And Jesus is most certainly desiring to bring peace. He's desiring to bring reconciliation. I can't help but think uh, this is the peace that Paul was talking about in Romans chapter uh, 5 verse 1. When he said, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He came in peace to declare reconciliation to a lost and broken and hurting world, one who had rebelled against him. To answer the second question that came to my mind, why is Jesus riding on an unused donkey, one that's never been ridden on or used for uh, work? What's the big deal there? It's, it's most certainly connected to the Old Testament sacrificial system. If you are going to bring a, uh, uh, an animal to be, to be sacrificed, it must be unused. And so, uh, in this way, Jesus, our perfect sacrifice, gets on to an unused animal and he becomes the sacrifice, the, the perfect sacrifice. Sacrifice, giving of himself. 
Do you see Jesus? Do you see the true Jesus? Continuing on in Mark 11, 4 to 8. And they went away, found a colt, and, uh, and they went away and found a colt tied at a door outside in the street, and they untied it. And some of those standing there said to them, what are you doing tying that, untying that colt? And they told them what Jesus had said, and they let them go. And they brought the colt to Jesus and threw their cloaks on it. And they sat on it, and many spread their cloaks on the road and spread their leafy branches uh, that they had cut from the fields. This was a sign of, of, of kingship. It was uh, bringing cloaks and branches would have um, been a procession for a king. We see in 2 Kings 9, uh, 13, that when the king Jehu, or king, or, uh, Jehu was going to be anointed king, by Elisha. Elisha grabs some oil, dumps it on his head, says, you are the king. And then they, um, they throw their, the people throw their cloaks on the ground and there's a big celebration. There's a big procession for the king. This was, uh, this was the people declaring that a king was coming. Jesus was getting the procession of the new King, And then as, as they're throwing these uh, branches on the ground, as they're throwing their cloaks on the ground, they are singing and dancing and they're shouting and, uh, they are, and, they, and it says, and those who went before, those who followed were shouting, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest. Things seem to be going pretty well here. The crowds are singing and dancing and they're actually singing a psalm found in Psalm 118, 25 and 26. Uh, and there's uh, excitement, like I said, in the air. Hosanna, Hosanna. Uh, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. This, this uh, expression was one when, when a king would come back from war and he was victorious. They would wave palm branches and say, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And this Hosanna phrase means save us now. And so the people are waving palm branches, they're throwing cloaks. This is the victory we've been waiting for. This is the king who's going to conquer the Romans. Our time is now. The problem was Jesus would be victorious. Jesus was victorious, but it was not the way the people had thought. So often I find us like these people. We completely miss the true Jesus, and we forget how his kingdom works. Remember, his kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. Their idea of a savior was one who would come in and overthrow the Romans. And Jesus was going to set up his earthly kingdom and they were going to rule and reign and it was going to be amazing. However, Jesus was not coming to overthrow the kingdom, or sorry, the king, uh, the Romans. He was coming in humility and peace to rescue a lost and broken world and to reconcile us to the Father. He was coming to trample death 
He came to bring abundant life to his people. And, and my question is, is, do you see this Jesus? Do you see how his kingdom works? Jesus would defeat death. Jesus would defeat death by becoming a servant, by going low. As Paul would say, becoming obedient unto death. And, and Jesus is all about doing his father's business. In fact, he said these very words in his ministry, that he only does what he sees the father doing. And, and he's obedient to the father. And I wonder if we are about his business. Or if we are about our business. I wonder if we're more interested in, in, in Jesus serving us and making our dreams come true and making everything glorious for us or if we are willing to be obedient to him. I think the people and the disciples are more interested in this king who would have an earthly kingdom, one who would set up uh, his kingdom here and defeat the Romans, we don't like death. We don't like the way of humility. The, the, this is not what the world preaches to us. We want a conquering king. We want a king that will serve our plans and our purposes. And sometimes we're more interested in the king who rides in on the war horse with sword raised rather than the one who comes to bring peace rather than the one who comes on a donkey. The problem is, is if Jesus would have done what the disciples and, and a lot of the people wanted him to do, he would not have accomplished the will of the Father. It would have not fixed the problem of sin. It would not have fixed the problem of death. And, and I wonder if this is the Jesus who we have given our life to? Have we given our life to the Jesus that came to conquer death? Or have we given our lives to the Jesus that uh, would, would serve us and make us happy and make us um, a little bit more uh, noticed or our dreams come true? Jesus would go to the cross. Isn't it ironic uh, when, when Jesus is riding into Jerusalem on a donkey and they think, yes, here he is. Here, here is the king, the one we've all been waiting for. They're shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. They're, they're, uh, they've got this psalm, this prayer in their minds already uh, of this of of the king and uh, Psalm 118 and they're, they're reciting this prayer and just a few verses late, uh, just a few verses earlier in verse 22 it says the stone that the builders rejected many of the people rejected the true version of the king they rejected the real Jesus, the one who said, I'm not here to accomplish my will. I'm here to accomplish the will of the Father by being obedient 
unto death. They loved the Jesus who would do miracles. They loved the Jesus who fed the 5,000. They loved the Jesus who healed sickness and disease, but they rejected the Jesus who would suffer and die. They didn't see it. They didn't see that Jesus was coming to reconcile us to the Father. They didn't see that he was coming to bring peace. Just how when Jesus was born, you have the angels in the heaven, and they're saying, glory to God in the highest, and on earth, peace to those whom my favor rests. Do you see it? Do you know this Jesus? Mark Uh, the writer of this gospel that we've been looking at. Mark writes his gospel to a persecuted church in Rome. Uh, And this church would have gone through incredible, uh, horrific persecution. And Mark is most, uh, most certainly writing to prepare his reader for suffering, for death. Look, things are hard, guys. It's gonna get bad And Mark writes a gospel. And how does he do it? But he spends one third of his gospel writing about the death of Jesus. Suffering. The suffering servant. The one who comes in humility. The one who comes to bring peace. The one who came to go to the cross to defeat death. Jesus not only takes the way of humility and death, but he calls us to do the same. In a world that is extremely divided, in a world that uh, you can't even sneeze and you're on the right or the left, um, there's just incredible, um, uh, there's incredible uh, polarity in our society. And everyone's shouting at the top of their lungs their view I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, I'm right, you're wrong. And the way that Jesus goes is low. Jesus takes the way of humility. I have a question for you. Will you take the way of Jesus? Will you follow Jesus when his way is death? Will you follow when his way is humility? Suffering, sacrifice. Will you fight for justice and truth in a humble manner by going low? I'll invite the worship team up. And as I want to close in prayer, but I want to take this time, uh, I want to take this time for some repentance. Just in your own heart. You don't have to share anything with anyone. I want us to refocus our eyes on Jesus who did not come to to serve us and make our lives a little more uh, comfortable. He didn't come to make our lives a little more cushy. But the Jesus who came to save us from sin, the one who came to conquer sin and death, the one who came to lay down his life and is calling us to do the same. I want to ask that Jesus would would, um, open our eyes to this reality of who he is and and repent and lay down our wrong views of, of who we expected Jesus to be or who we think he should be. 
I want us to give, I want Jesus to give us a clearer picture this Easter week. The one who fulfilled prophecies of Genesis 49 and Zechariah chapter 9 and countless others. I want us to, to reset our gaze upon the one who came to die. The one who knew that death was imminent and said, I will, obe- I will be obedient unto death. Would you stand and uh, let's pray. Jesus, we look to you this morning. We thank you that you are a God who had a plan of redemption, a preordained plan of redemption, that long before anyone was born, you knew that you would send your son to be a sacrifice for us, the, the humble servant king, the one who would uh, ride into Jerusalem on a donkey, and, and by doing so, he came to proclaim peace between God and man, the one who came to proclaim reconciliation, and the one who ultimately would die and take the weight of the sin, our sin, on his shoulders and be crushed. So God, we ask this morning that uh, we just repent of believing that you are uh, one who is here to, f- to make all of our wildest dreams come true. The one who is here to, to serve us and to, to uh, make our lives a little bit better than they were last week. We repent of that and we say that we want to follow the way of Jesus. We want to take the way of Jesus by being obedient regardless of the cost. When suffering comes, when persecution comes, when there's incredible polarity in the world, how can we take the way of Jesus by going low? So Jesus, we fix our gaze on you. We declare that we love you, Jesus, and we want to know you more intimately. We want to know you in a clearer light this morning. And we pray this in your holy name. Amen.